Well, I don't think I will ever forget the first ever parent meeting that I held when I was a 22-year-old youth pastor uh, at a mega church out in northern Colorado. I had just graduated college, uh, and I was now leading a group of up to 150 high school students. And one of my first tasks on the job was to lead an informational meeting for all of these teenagers intimidating parents. Uh, And truthfully, the the meeting itself went, uh, I think, really well. I mean, I was like really informative, uh, but but in a really witty and fun and super charming way. At least that's how I remember it all. Okay, but the hardest part, or at least the most memorable part of the meeting happened when the meeting was all over. One mom approached me and, and pointedly asked, essentially, uh, if God would be cool in my youth group, right? She wanted to know, would, would her high school son find God to be cool or appealing or of interest uh, in my youth group? Now, her question was a little strange. It caught me a little off guard, but, but as I continued in conversation with her, I realized uh, that, that it did come. This question did come from a, a genuine place. She wanted church and, and faith and God and Jesus and the whole deal. She wanted it to be a priority for her teenage son. And so far, that wasn't exactly the case for him. And she was hoping that this now might be a little bit different. She was hoping that, that maybe, just maybe, I would be the one to finally crack the code on getting her son interested in, in church and interested in a relationship with Jesus. Hashtag no pressure Sten. Now, I can't exactly say what was going on in their, in their lives, in the, in the life of this family, but as I look back on this moment... Uh, you know, almost, you know, 12 years ago, I cannot help uh, but think that this family represents in some way, as I look back, I can't help but think that this family in some way represents what has become so very normal for so many families today. See, I think the normal expectation of families uh, these days is that churches will teach their kids about Jesus, right? That's a church's job. Families raise children and churches raise Christians, right? Mom and dad will help with reading, writing, and arithmetic, and churches will help with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So I think this is the case for so many households today, right? Church is kind of an occasional thing, right? It's an extracurricular thing over there, right? There's everyday life over here, and then there's church life, and there's church stuff over here. I think that's very normal today. Consequently, here's what's also normal for so many people, for so many teenagers today. Here's what, uh, you know, we have just accepted and even come to expect from teenagers and young adults today. Like there is no other possible outcome. Here is what we have come to expect, that they drop out of church. In fact, a 2017 LifeWay study determined that 66% of teenagers stopped attending church regularly for at least a year between the ages of 18 and 22. Of those who uh, dropped out of church, uh, so to say, 47%, almost half, say that it was because they went to college, right? So as soon as they got to college, church was no longer a priority. 29% of those who stopped attending said that they planned on 
taking a break from church as soon as they graduated high school. Right? That's one in three that just knew, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to keep doing that. And 71% say that it wasn't an intentional decision. It just kind of happened. Right? Which says to me that it was never really a very important part of their life. It hadn't become a priority then, and so it just stopped now. And as a result, here's a quote from this Lifeway study. Their research to them suggested this. They said there was nothing about the church experience or faith foundation of those teenagers that caused them to seek out a connection to a local church once they entered a new phase of life. The time they spent with activity in church was simply replaced by something else. Now, I think what is maybe most alarming about all of this is that it probably doesn't come as much of a surprise to anyone, right? I, my guess is you're thinking, oh, come on. You know, they're just college kids. I mean, what, what, what do you expect? That's, you know, really pretty normal today. And it is. It's a pretty normal story. Maybe, in fact, it was your story, right? You're dropping out of church, checking out of church or of faith. It is really pretty normal, right? In many ways, that's why we started uh, Midcurrent. One of, one of the reasons we started this church, in fact, when I look back at some of the earliest documents uh, that I created to help me cast vision for Midcurrent, that, that's one of the, 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 the reasons that we knew that we needed a different kind of church because experience in church, let alone a good experience, it was not the norm any longer. The norm is no longer connected, no longer interested in church, in faith, in God, in Jesus. And so for anyone who is invested in or, or interested in developing the, the faith of the next generation, for anyone who truly wants their kids or their grandkids or their nieces and nephews to develop a relationship with Jesus that serves as a foundation for all phases and stages of life, here's what I would suggest today. Maybe normal isn't working. That's what I have suggested for, for so many parts of our life in this series that we are in the middle of. Uh, this series called Back to Normal. See, right now, everyone is wishing for life to go back to normal. And in many ways, I, I, I would totally agree. Right? I, I, there's so many parts of me that just say, yeah, I just want life to get back to normal. But on the other hand, I cannot help but wonder if this crazy year that we know uh, as 2020, I cannot help but wonder if it is giving us a chance to reconsider normal. I can't help but wonder if it is giving us the opportunity to, to, to reconsider how normal is actually working for us and if maybe God intended for something else. And when it comes to faith, and when it comes to family, I do think that God intended something more. I think God intended for something more for you uh, and for I and for all of, you know, all of us. I think God intended for something more for you and I and for those that we love than just graduating from church at the age of 18. He wanted something else for us, not to control our lives, but to help us experience the real fullness of life the way he 
intended it, right? I, I think he intended for, for, for more than family life here and social life here and recreational life here and then church life in faith, if at all, over, over here. In fact, I think God knew that if each new generation was going to continue to know him and follow him. It wasn't going to happen because, you know, someone else or because, you know, they over there, because that church, because those youth pastors taught them. See, I think one of God's greatest encouragements in the Bible is to parents. One of his greatest encouragements to parents is found in the book of Proverbs, chapter 22, verse 6. And it says this right here. To parents, he's speaking. He says, direct your children, Proverbs says. He says, direct your children onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave it. Various translations of this verse say, start your child off or teach your child or, or train your child up in, in the way they should go. Right? right? Teach them and train them now so that later they'll stay the course. Right? To, to, to me, this is saying it all starts at home. It starts with parents and grandparents and guardians and caretakers, right? Certain studies actually help to kind of quantify that for us, right? Studies show that a church has about 40 hours of influence on the life of a child per year, 40 hours. Parents, on the other hand, have well over 3,000 hours of influence on the life of a child every year, right? Directing your child onto the right path, it starts with you. And that's not to say that, that churches or, or, or that this church, it's not to say that Midcurrent doesn't intend to partner with you. We do intend to partner with you. We believe that two combined influences make a much greater uh, impact than two individual influences. And that's why we want to partner with you and, and to help you win at home. But here's what we want you to know and here's what we hope that you might embrace. No one has more potential to influence your child than you. Okay? This goes for parents, uh, grandparents, guardians. No one has more potential to influence the life of your child than you do. And the truth is, I think many of you want your, your, your kids and, and your grandkids to start off on the right path. And I think you want them to stay on the right path. I can't tell you how many people I meet that don't go to church, that actually tell me they want to start going to church because they want their kids to start learning about God. Right? I think so many of you want your kids to grow up, uh, to know and to follow Jesus. And that's awesome. But if I was a betting man... I bet that when you hear that, that, that this whole thing starts with you, I, I would bet that you very well may be thinking, Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> right? I, you, you want your kids to, to love God and to follow Jesus and, and to go to church when, when they don't have to, but you're thinking, you know what? I, I, I didn't even go to church that much, right? I didn't go to seminary. I, I didn't go to Bible camp in the summer. I didn't go to Bible college. I'm not a Bible expert. I don't know how to do a Bible study. I don't even know all the books of the Bible. Well, the good news is, is that it's not necessarily about any of that. 
right? Directing and, and training and, and starting your child off on the right path doesn't necessarily depend on any of that. I think it all depends on something so much less intimidating, so much less scary, something that every single one of us can do. Or if we do really want to get back to normal, I think God has a preference for what normal would really look like in your family and in mine. And that's what I want to talk about today. That's what I want to show you today. So if you have a Bible or or a Bible app, turn with me to Deuteronomy 6, uh, verses 4 through 8. And the words will also appear below me on the screen as well. Now, before I read them, uh, let me fill you in uh, on the book of Deuteronomy overall. And and, and let me fill you in on exactly uh, what is going on within it. You see, there's a whole generation of God's people known as the Exodus generation. Okay, This is the generation of Israelites that were in slavery in Egypt uh, and then were led out of slavery in Egypt by Moses. And that's where we get the term Exodus. That's where we get the name of the, the book, Exodus, because this was their Exodus out of Egypt. And so after their escape from Egypt, they were at Mount Sinai for one year uh, where they made a covenant with God, a promise with God. And this is where God first gave them the famed Ten Commandments. Okay, And then came their infamous 40-year road trip through the wilderness where this Exodus generation uh, turned their back on God which essentially disqualified them from entering the promised land. So now at the end of this 40 years of of wilderness wandering, there's a new generation ready to enter the promised land. And so Moses delivers a series of speeches to them, explaining to them uh, God's law and God's commands, and and, and he's reminding them of, of, of Israel's rebellion and of God's graciousness and God's faithfulness to them and to their people. And so those speeches are the book of Deuteronomy, intended to call the next generation to faithfulness to God by reintroducing God's commandments and his intentions for his people. The, the word Deuteronomy literally means second uh, giving of the law, meaning Moses did it once with, with the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai, and, and that didn't really pan out. And, and so now the book of Deuteronomy is round two. Okay, so that's what the book of Deuteronomy is all about. Moses is speaking to the next generation, calling them to faithfulness. Okay? And in many ways, he is speaking uh, to us too. No, we are, uh, you know, we're not people looking to physically cross into this place that God promised us. But each and every one of us, I believe, is standing at a crossing. We are crossing every day, every year into the places that God has called us. Okay? Leading the way for the next generation. And so here's what he says. Here's what Moses says in the middle of one of those speeches recorded for us in Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 through 8. He says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Now Moses has to specify that it is the Lord alone, that it is God alone, because during those wild wilderness years, uh, people started to worship a bunch of other gods, right? Golden statues and shrines and, and a bunch of, you know, other weird stuff. And so Moses is reminding this new generation, it's God and it's God only. 
Okay, here's verse 5. He says, And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength, and you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. He's saying, this is round two. Okay, We tried it once and it didn't pan out, so we're going to try again. He's going, we got to get it right this time. Now pay attention to what he says next. This is what I want you to hear. And this, I think, is the good news. Right? For any of us who want to influence the next generation, who want to, to influence our families, but aren't sure exactly how to do it or where to start. Here's verse 7. Repeat them, these commands. Moses says, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. See, these two sets of opposites, uh, at home and on the road and getting up and, and going to bed, literally translated as, as sit and walk and lie down and stand up, right? These pairs of opposites are known as merisms in Hebrew literature. Merisms are opposite terms that refer not just to the actions that they specify, but to every action in between. It's like we would say A to Z, right? We're not just talking about A or Z, but we're talking about the whole alphabet in between. That's what Moses is trying to get at. That's what Moses is encouraging this generation to do with the next. Take every opportunity from when you sit and when you walk and when you get up and when you lie down and, and every moment in between and talk about God. In the context of, of, of everyday life. Then he says this, verse 8. Tie them, still talking about these commands. He says, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Okay? And while many, uh, many practicing uh, Jews today take that literally, right? tie them to your hands and foreheads. What, some practicing Jews today take that literally, which in, in some ways is, is commendable if you think about it. Uh, but, but, but really, I think Moses' real concern uh, when he mentions hands and heads is actions and attitudes. Right? I don't think he's actually asking us to tie them on our wrists and to put them on our foreheads. I think he's trying to talk about our actions and our attitudes. And then he finishes like this. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. See, these are the two primary points of access in their everyday life, right? Door posts or door frames, they're passed through whenever someone enters or leaves the house, and that's in many ways still the same today. And city gates were a primary place of access in a community in that day, right? Buying and selling took place near the city gate, right? Judicial decisions were determined near the city gate. And so once again, this could be taken literally, Okay? But more than giving home decoration and, and city council recommendations, I think Moses is trying to su suggest doing something different. I think he's trying to paint a picture that, uh, that, that somehow that the people would perpetually remind themselves of God's love for them and what it is that he has asked of them. See, overall, I think we need to read Moses' words a bit more figuratively, but we cannot miss the point. We cannot miss the point. Moses wants God's people to be sure that God's word is foremost in their lives. God wants uh, to, to make sure that God's word is foremost in our lives. And so the question is, how do we do that? Here's how. 
Okay? We invite more of God into more places in our everyday lives. Okay? We want to influence the next generation. If no one has more influence on, 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 on our uh, children or grandchildren or nieces and nephews than, than we do, but we're unsure exactly how to use that influence, it's a simple invitation. We invite more of God into more places in our everyday lives, right? God isn't supposed to be some, you know, kind of separate, uh, you know, part of life. He's not supposed to be a specialized part of life for special occasions, right? He's not reserved for weddings and, and, and funerals or, uh, you know, baptisms or, you know, Christmas and, and Easter only, okay? If God is an occasional part of you and your kid's life now, you can pretty much count on the fact that he'll be an occasional part at best, of your kids' lives later. Moses' encouragement to Israel then and to us now is to make conversation about God normal and natural and regular in our everyday lives. Okay? We have to find ways to talk about God regularly. Okay? Not perfectly, but, 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 but regularly and routinely and natural, right? We don't have to be Bible scholars. We don't have to be Bible experts or, or, or pastors, okay? God just wants us to make him a, a normal and a natural part of everyday life for the sake of those who, who are following our lead, young and old, okay? I think Deuteronomy is making it plainly clear that there's never a wrong time or a wrong place to talk about God with the next generation, right? So we have to find ways to simply invite more of God, more of his will, more of his plan, more of his priorities into more places in our everyday lives. I'm not exactly sure how it happened or, or why it started, but somehow uh, the mornings that I drove my daughter Lucy to preschool last year became time when we talked about miracles. Okay? She asked the question once, I think, and, and, and I must have answered it. And, and, and from that moment on, as soon as we got in the car, just the two of us, uh, Lucy would ask the same question. Dad, can we do some more miracles? Every time she'd ask the question, Dad, can we do some more miracles? She wanted to talk about miracles. And so that's what we do. We would just talk about miracles. From God parting the, the sea to, to Jesus feeding the 5,000 and everything in between. And when we covered them all or when I couldn't think of any new ones on the spot, then we'd start over again. And I'd start the story and ask Lucy to finish it. Or, or I'd turn the question on her and tell her and ask her to, to tell me about some of the miracles that she knew that Jesus performed. And we would just talk. And it was maybe, uh, you know, never perfect, right? Maybe her telling of the miracles was, was, was never perfect, but it was natural. And it was normal for us, the kind of normal that I think God is pleased with. It was a, to a total normal and natural part of our day, a total, uh, you know, a normal and natural part of our coming and going each day. Mid-current, we got to find a way to make God a normal and a natural part of everyday life. Everyday life with our kids, everyday life with our family and our friends and with anyone who we have influence with. We have to invite 
more of God into more places in our everyday lives, right? God isn't just the God of special occasions. We don't have to save, you know, conversation about life, or, you know, and faith. We don't have to save it for, you know, for church on Sunday or for mealtime or, or, or for bedtime only, right? It's always the right time to talk with the next generation or, or with anyone in our lives. It's always the right time to talk about God's faithfulness to us. So let me ask you a question then as I begin to close. Let me ask you this question, right? Where in you and your family, where is it in the life of you and your family that more of God could be invited into more of your everyday life? Maybe it starts with mealtime and bedtime, maybe you add in your own uh, drive time conversation about God with your kids, right? Our, our mid-current kids' parent queue emails, they actually give you easy conversation topics to engage with your kids at these very moments. Mealtime, drive time, right? They set you up uh, to, to make conversation easy and, and normal and natural, Maybe it's talking about God with your kids when you experience something that makes you happy or, or, or sad or, or something that is exciting or makes you nervous or proud or, or disappointed. Maybe it's using God's intentions for us to, to teach our kids everyday lessons about life and love and friendship and kindness and generosity and responsibility. Maybe it's playing worship music in the house as a normal way to spur on spiritual conversation. Or maybe it's something different. Maybe it's something better that you can come up with. That's great. right? I, I want to try to give you some helpful examples here, but I don't want to limit your creativity for how it is that you might make God a normal and a natural and a regular part of your everyday life as a family. See, I think this is how God knew that each generation would, would truly come to know him with a, simple, uh, with a simple invitation like I'm talking about. And, and truthfully, it's what Jesus modeled for us during his time on earth. Right When Jesus called people to be his disciples, he didn't say, hey, you know, come and sign up for this uh, lecture on, on, on parables that I'm teaching this Sunday. He didn't say, hey, come and attend the, the synagogue where, where I'm teaching uh, you know, this Sabbath. He didn't say, hey, come, let me teach you this, this prayer that you can use on special occasions. No, he said, come, follow me. Right? His invitation to these guys that he called was, hey, come and do life with me, walk with me, talk with me, sit with me, eat with me, travel with me, teach with me. His invitation to them was to make God's work and God's love and God's kingdom and God's intentions a normal and a natural part of their everyday life. And it changed their life. And I think this is the way that the world begins to change and that our families begin to change one life at a time. And it's not about going back to normal. It's redefining what normal is in the course of our everyday life. Let me pray. God, we thank you for being a God of unfailing uh, love and unfailing grace and, and second chances, right? Your faithfulness to this Exodus 
generation is, is, is such an encouragement to me to know that there is never a time when, when you give up on calling each of us and each new generation into a relationship. And God, whenever life goes back to some sense of normal, I'm just praying that, that you might help each of us to redefine what normal looks like in, in our life and, and in the life of our family. God, would you inspire us with excitement and creativity for the ways that we can make you a part of everyday life, our everyday coming and going. Help us to find the places in our life where we can invite more of you. God, help us to find the places where we can invite more of you to be more a part of our everyday lives. God, would you use each and every one of us, from the youngest watching to the oldest, to model for someone else and to teach the next generation about you and about your love for us and about the life that you have called us to. I'm praying that because of our new normal, we might start to, uh, to, to see our families and our communities and our world begin to change one life at a time. We pray this in your name. Hey, before I uh, sign off today, let me just say two things. If this invitation uh, that, that Jesus gave uh, to, to come follow me, if this is an invitation that you have never really accepted before, I'm praying that maybe today would be that day. And if that's the case, we would love to know. Just email uh, three words, I said yes, to yes at midcurrentchurch.org. Uh, we want to follow up with you on, on what Jesus is, uh, what Jesus' invitation is all about. Second thing I want to let you know is this. If you're excited and if you're inspired uh, today to make God kind of the, the new normal in your life and, and, and in your family, and you want to do so uh, alongside other parents, you want to do so with, with support and the encouragement of other parents who are on this same journey, I want to make sure that you know uh, about the six-week uh, virtual parenting small groups uh, that are beginning on September 14th, right? You'll be journeying together through the book, parenting through the phases, learning how to best lead your, uh, you know, your kids through each phase of their life. And you can find uh, more information about these groups and you can find registration uh, on the kids tab of our website, midcurrentchurch.org. We do not want you to miss this opportunity, and we do not want you to miss uh, next week and another week in our series, Back to Normal. Uh, we'll see you right here Sunday morning, midcurrent.online.church. We'll see you then.